In this episode of Two-Eyed Seeing, we are going to be speaking with Dr. Cindy Gilbert. She is a naturopathic doctor, author, and faculty member of the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, and is very focused on treating those in our society who are stigmatized and marginalized in our wellness circles. So stay tuned for this amazing episode about how we can potentially be better at supporting our LGBTQ uh, community and our BIPOC communities and all the wonderful things that we're getting into in this episode. Hello, Sago, and welcome. You're listening to Two-Eyed Seeing, bridging the Western and Indigenous understanding of health, healing, and life. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Connors, naturopathic doctor and birth doula and knowledge seeker of Mohawk and European ancestry. Each week, I will be bringing you information about health and wellness from both perspectives so we can learn and grow together as we journey through life on this place we call Earth and Turtle Island. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Two-Eyed Seeing. As I mentioned in the intro, we have the wonderful Dr. Cindy Gilbert with us today, who is a naturopathic doctor and activist, and there's so many other descriptors I could add on there. But what we're actually going to be focusing on today is talking about the LGBTQ community and how we can better support them as healthcare providers and just as individual people within the world. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Gilbert and we'll get started. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. It's, uh, it's such a pleasure. It's, you know, something that you and I have talked about so often is, you know, is this piece around, like, not just around 2SLGBTQ plus communities, but, but inclusivity in general, and then intersectionality, you know, that like, we are not kind of single you know, I, I take the, I'm going to like misquote Audre Lorde right from the start, but that, you know, we're not single uh, issue people or we're not single identity people. Um, but, and so we don't live single issued lives, right? That's why we have to take all these things into account. And we have to, you know, as healthcare providers, we are all about treating the whole person, but that means seeing every person that we see for who they are in their entirety, in their multiplicity, in their, uh, in their intersections of their identities. Absolutely. And that's really what we wanted to talk more about with you today, with you today and with you, our, our wider audience, our, our listeners, is that, and this is something Dr. Gilbert and I have had lots of conversations about, as she said, is that we're just scratching the surface when it comes to recognizing our LGBTQ plus uh, community and from an indigenous lens, and we'll touch a little bit on this um, as, as, as we go through the episode, is how two-spirited individuals have actually been a big part of our communities, most of our communities, since long, 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 long back. And so in terms of how we look at that, what would you say is kind of the maybe one of the biggest things that we're struggling with right now, Dr. Gilbert, in terms of um, actually being the supportive healthcare providers and the supportive people of helping LGBTQ feel, feel included and, and comfortable in their healthcare. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is like, we're kind of at this point right now where 
we realize, or a lot of healthcare providers and a lot of um, people you know, who are listening to this podcast are, understand that there are huge barriers to accessing healthcare for, for certain people more than others, whether that you know, is because, um, be, because they've been racialized, because they uh, haven't been represented as uh, LGBTQ2S folks in medicine, um, and they're asked questions that are irrelevant to their lives, or um, or there's there's judgment in the healthcare office, whether that's like with a medical doctor or a nurse practitioner or an atropath or a chiropractor, it doesn't matter. And we're kind of at this point, like I said, where we realize there's an obstacle, like we didn't learn things in school, we don't have all the language around it, right? We don't necessarily understand um, terms or that people use to describe themselves. We don't necessarily you know, know how to distinguish identity from behavior <laughs> when it comes to things like sexual orientation. And we really have all been embedded and socialized and grown, like grown up in, in, in a societies where you know, gender is presented as binary and where sexual orientation is presented as heterosexual. And so we really have to do a lot of work now, all of us continually to, to break down those barriers for ourselves, but break down the bias that we also have inherited or that we've grown up with and internalized, even for those of us who, you know, identify as LGBTQ2S or, you know, like me, I like grew up in queer community because my mother, uh, you know, was out when I was a teenager. It, you know, even, even in those settings, we, we have to work so hard to break those things down and to better understand, you know, where all of our clients are coming from, where, where we need to move and how, you know, as you said, like, how does this fit in with, you know, issues affecting other communities where like, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about Oh, I, you know, I hear this all the time. These like kind of myths, I, I, I call them like myths in naturopathic medicine, but they're, they're propagated throughout social media. Like, oh, you know, why are there so many more trans people than there used to be? And, or, <laughs> you know, why is, yes. what is two spirit and how is this a new thing as though it is a new thing? And so much of this rhetoric and these myths are, are based on, you know, ideas that gender has always been presented as this binary uh, thing where there are men and there are women or there are boys and there are girls and that there are no other options that that there really are only these two binary options that have always been presented in every culture around the world and that's just not true and right and it's not that there are more trans people or that two-spirit is I mean it might be a newer term but it's not a new concept and right and, and the reality is, is people are finally, some people, somewhat, and I wouldn't say that this is absolutely true, but there is just, just enough less stigma that folks feel okay identifying and call it, and naming themselves in specific ways uh, or pushing back against the boundaries of binary gender and the norms of, and the, you know, kind of these, the norms of gender concepts and gender presentation and, uh, and, and, you know, when we think about this in a, a two-spirit context to bring in that like intersectionality, right. Mm-hmm. Is, this is not a new concept for indigenous queers, right. Like that this term, I mean, it is a term that came about in the nineties coined by, um, Myra Laramie, but 
and it means different things to different people. But the idea is that is 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 longstanding, not just in North American indigenous communities, but also in other cultures traditionally around the world, where there were concepts of femininity or masculinity, but also concepts of folks who embodied both femininity or masculinity or neither femininity nor masculinity. And that, you know, that, that from on a global scale, indigenous uh, and traditional concepts of gender and sexual diversity did not have the same kind of imposition of a gender binary that we, you know, kind of think about. And it's hard to wrap our heads around it because we have always thought about gender as this kind of linear concept where, you know, some folks are, are talking about this in different ways, you know, that gender is uh, rather than a spectrum or a linear concept, that it's actually a galaxy of identities. And I, I really oh, love I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I really love that concept. Right. Because then it expands our notion of what's possible, right? Of, of, of what are the myriad of ways that people um, both see themselves represented in, in, in as, as gendered individuals or as non-gendered individuals, but also that, that it is expansive, right? That Absolutely. It, it isn't a two-dimensional space either, right? That there are these kind of different ways. And when we look at history, or more recent history, we see the ways that the gender binary has been imposed, um, you know, on indigenous communities throughout the world through colonization, through things like the residential school system. Um, you know, yeah. that I always go back to thinking about even just the simplest of things, right? That that um, how many kids' hair got cut as part of socialization and normalization yeah. of gender binaries in the residential school system, or um, you know, or, or by, uh, by, by other folks through colonization and how that plays into gender as well. And yeah. so, you know, none of these concepts are new. It's just that they may be new to us. Absolutely. That is a, is, a, is a different perspective that healthcare providers, you know, we really have to like wrap our heads around because it, we're not always the best at saying, I don't know, <laughs> or I didn't know that. Thanks for sharing that with me because- you know, sometimes it's our clients who like are, are, are teaching us and we have to, um, we have to better learn to accept those teachings and, you know, and say, uh, you know, thanks for sharing. I will look into this more, or I'm going to think this through, or, uh, or I don't know about this person sitting across from me, but I want to know more about them and to figure out how I can best, you know, facilitate whatever their goals are. Yeah. And approaching not only our medicine, naturopathic medicine, but as a healthcare collective, approaching it more from exactly what you just said, that that humility of, I don't know, but I want to learn, I want to understand. And since we're talking about that, would you want to tell us a little bit more about the new consulting service that you and your colleague just recently started? I think this, this concept is just such a wonderful thing that more people should definitely know about. Yeah, I think, I mean, humility is a huge part of it, right? And so, you know, that's one of the reasons why I've been doing the work that I'm doing and um, why I started this consulting firm with my colleague, Arlie Milliard. 
is that, you know, we saw this gap, right? This, these barriers, <laughs> both a gap in the knowledge of healthcare providers, not just in naturopathic medicine, but in, especially in particular in wellness um, healthcare providers uh, or, mm. you know, more holistically minded healthcare providers, um, but also with conventional medical systems and that there is this gap in a knowledge gap, essentially, right? That, you know, we having been raised within heteronormative and cisnormative societies have also been taught within those systems. And so we're hoping to, again, expand on that by providing some offerings and consulting services to help folks who are, who realize that they have these gaps in their knowledge. They're not sure about, you know, how to approach or to change their language, um, say. They're maybe at the very beginning of their learning. Um, so we do offer like what we call like foundational knowledge um, type courses. Like be like, yeah. I don't even know what pansexual is, or I've never heard this term two spirit. Yeah. Uh, and I want to know more. Or I I know that I, you know, have been taught in very specific ways and that I have implicit or inherent bias and unconscious bias that I'm bringing to my clinic setting. Um, so how do I, how do I work to break that down? And so we've kind of developed some educational resources and are offering one-on-one uh, -on -one consulting to folks um, who maybe want to go deeper uh, or have a more personalized experience to help them to break the, break that down, to have more humility, um, but to build up their like knowledge and their skills in this area to be able to better serve, not just their 2SLGBTQIA plus clients, but to serve, better serve all, like to work with all people of all genders, of all sexual orientations, of all backgrounds, um, of all families, types, and constellations. Um, so that, you know, we are reaching out to everyone in our galaxy. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I love that. That metaphor is just, it's doing so many wonderful things in my head. I'm going to definitely remember that one. And yeah, exactly what you said. And don't worry, everybody, we will put this in the show notes. You'll be able to find the links to um, Dr. Gilbert's um, accounts and and their services and everything like that that will be in the show notes afterwards um but is there anything in particular that you would like to highlight about the service that you feel is really important for our listeners to know yeah i mean for sure i think you know coming up in the fall we have a couple of live workshops that we're offering both on working to neutralize clinical language because so often it really is in like clinical questions that we're talking about. You know, what is it that you ask somebody? You know, if you've got like, a, even if you've got a patient who's like a kid and you're like, hey, you know, you, you think that it's a neutral question to ask a kid about their mommy and daddy, but maybe that kid is a child of a single parent and you didn't realize it based on the intake. Maybe that kid, uh, was adopted and they're just working through like differences between adopted family and bio family, or maybe that kid has um, two parent, two, two moms or two dads, or has, uh, has genderqueer parents. And mm. you've already kind of impacted just by a single question, you're impacting your rapport with that person. And, you know, I can, give tons of other examples. And we use a lot of clinical scenarios in those live workshops. It's a really good, safe, you know, kind of 
place to be humble, as you said, to have that humility, but also to be able to ask questions and work through specific situations that happen in clinic that we, you know, might not even be aware of, or we might not think through on a regular basis because we've been taught to ask questions in a specific way or to go through a sexual health history in a specific way and not really think through, you know, again, like, what does it mean? Um, it, you know, that it's not enough for me to just ask somebody's their sexual orientation, be like, oh, okay. So they identify as gay. That means they're a man who has sex with men. Well, you know, again, identity doesn't necessarily equal behavior. And so we have to think through as healthcare providers, different ways of asking questions. So that's an exciting thing coming up this fall Mm -hmm. um, is those like live workshop opportunities, I think uh, are really great for folks, whether you're just starting out or you're like a super keener and you are already more advanced and really just want to up level your game. Yeah. Oh, that sounds absolutely wonderful. I think it's, and we've had lots of conversations about this, but um, it's such an important thing. And not only for our healthcare providers, because we want everyone who comes into our offices, into our clinics, who works with us to feel safe. Mm -hmm. That's really what it sounds like this work is about, is being able to provide a safe environment. Because in the past, so many have not felt safe. Um, in their healthcare provider's office, and they haven't felt safe to share this information. So kind of going back to what you said about, oh, it's, there's so many more trans people. And it's like, no, it's not that. It's that they finally feel at least somewhat yeah. comfortable to share that information. Yeah, they just so, you before. <laughs> yeah, it's just that they weren't telling you that this was part of who they are as a person, because they didn't know how you would receive it on the other end. And you hadn't whether you knew it or not, hadn't created the environment that they felt safe enough. And it sounds like that's really what this work is about, is starting to build both, like we talked about, that piece of humility and being that open and receiving learner, and then also being that more compassionate uh, clinician who can also recognize that we need to be creating these spaces and not just coming at it from, like you said, that binary and that, that kind of, there's a spectrum and it's all 2d. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's really like, it's so important when we're, when we're thinking about like how to create safe, inclusive clinic spaces that we, you know, we think through it at like deeper and deeper and deeper levels, because I always tell people, you know, when somebody has been harmed by healthcare in the past, Mm -hmm. maybe for multiple pieces around their identity, maybe, you know, um, because they've been judged or discriminated Mm -hmm. against, or just haven't had access, that it is, is on us so much more like the imperative is, is, is even greater for us to work that much harder to create space that centers folks who who haven't had that access who haven't felt safe in our our offices and spaces and that you know like it's 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 great that you know you put up a pride flag to say that you know your clinic also you know works with um, folks who are lgbtq plus but that's not enough right and actually oftentimes that can actually perpetuate harm. If somebody sees that, they see a pride flag, they're like, great, safe space. And then they go in and they face discrimination at the reception desk or they're, mm-hmm. 
or, or, you know, there's not space for them to let somebody know their pronouns or they are continually asked about, you know, their husband when their spouse is non-gendered that, you know, like there's, there's, that is, is, is why we have to work hard uh, and, and think through all these kind of different clinical scenarios that it's like, it's not enough to do that. And it's also not enough to say like, well, I don't really work with queer people because you do, right. It's just that <laughs> yeah. they do, maybe they haven't felt safe disclosing that to you, or mm. maybe they're not safe coming to your office, but maybe you're the best at working. You know, you're the best person who works with like knee osteoarthritis, or you're like an amazing practitioner who works with folks who have irritable bowel syndrome and they want everyone you know queer people just like indigenous people just like people like all people want to see the best person for the the healthcare condition that they have and they don't necessarily want to just you know go see somebody um who's like a fertility specialist but for their you know their sports medicine health because that person is a person that they feel safe with. They want to go to the best person for their health concerns. They want to, you know, be able to go anywhere and be anywhere. Mm-hmm. And breaking down those barriers is is why we started doing this work and why we're, uh, you know, why 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 I want to offer as much education in this space as possible is to to help break down those walls so that everyone can access our medicine. Oh, that's, that's such a wonderful way to put it. And I really love how you mentioned about not just, it's not enough to just do the little symbols, like uh, as much as, because I've, I've definitely had that conversation with people. It's like, oh yeah, we have a, we have the little sticker up in our window. It's like, that's great. That's a great first step. But exactly what you said is we need to start having that conversation with ourselves Mm -hmm. and with our colleagues and and our wider communities about how we can take it to that next level so it's not just essentially a paint job um and it's not actually dealing with what's you know if we're using the car metaphor what's under the hood exactly change what's under the hood it's still the same crummy car (laughs) you put a nice paint job on it works car now yeah (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> we have to like, you know, it's, it's the moving beyond the, the performative allyship, right? Mm-hmm. Moving beyond just like saying, yes, I support this or yes, I, of course I treat everyone. Um, and, you know, I hope that everyone does, but I also know, you know, we, I know from research and from, um, you know, from, from all of the information that's out there in community that, that unfortunately we're not there yet. And so we got some work to do, but we are up for the, like everyone is up for the task. We're smart people, you know, and we care about each other and we care about connection. And so when we move past, you know, the, like the, the feeling of, I don't know what I don't know. And the feeling of shame around that as a healthcare provider, when you're supposed to be the person who knows things into a space of cultural humility to say, I don't know everything, I would like to learn more. And I want to continually, you know, do better by my community and do better by the folks that I work with and do better for myself as a, as a human being that, that that allows more space for us to grow together and learn from each other. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Oh, that's, thank you for sharing that. So that's such a important message. And just because we kind of talked about this a little bit on the episode in terms of being open and supportive of our indigenous communities mm -hmm. and being healthcare providers who are willing, because there's a, a number of people who don't necessarily look 100% indigenous, but that's part of who they are. And they're not willing to identify themselves. And then imagine adding another layer of also being part of the galaxy of you know having a different gender identity than what we consider to be the stereotypical gender yeah. identity as just like how much fear and difficulty that person must be going through mm -hmm. and being able to talk about that well I think about that like in terms of you know like there's so many analogies there of what you just said around like you know I, and in my work with like some indigenous folks who don't have status or who um, who aren't sure, you know, because of colonization and this imposition of like what it means to be indigenous. And we, that's a whole other conversation, um, right. you know, by governments, especially in, in North America about like what that means and, and, and who is indigenous and who's not mm -hmm. that, you know, there, that, that kind of invisibility that happens and stigma that happens for folks who quote unquote don't look indigenous also happens to uh, more feminine presenting lesbians because they're like, oh, you don't look gay. Or um, right. for folks who are bisexual, but who are in what appear to be like hetero romantic or uh, heterosexual relationships where their, 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 their identity or their sexual orientation becomes invisible, right? Because people make assumptions based on what they see and how folks, how folks present to the world or what, uh, how they're, how they're perceived, not even how much, the, how they're presenting, but how other people perceive us. And, mm -hmm. and so there's, there's so many analogies that we can get into in terms of, you know, uh, of identity and how that plays out because of assumptions that people make based on what they see or what they think they see. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, in terms of just if someone was say coming to you and said i don't even know where to start uh i know that i don't know a lot and i know that i could be doing a better job of showing up either as a as a clinician or if, if you want to speak to both clinician and someone who's not necessarily in the healthcare field how can we start to show up as more than just that, you know, flag carrying supportive ally? Yeah. I mean, I think the first step is like saying like, just exactly that, right? Like, <laughs> is like really being like, acknowledging that you, you know, that you, um, you want to, you know, want to do more than like just a flag carrying, like I went to the pride parade once. Um, <laughs> it was really fun. <laughs> it was really fun. I had a great time. It was a great party. Um, <laughs> is, you know, is like connecting with um, maybe like connecting with groups in your community. There's like PFLAG organizations. There's like, there's, you know, there's thinking through like, what are the ways that I can make a difference? And I think self-reflection is and humility is like a huge piece. And it's like, it's such an amorphous thing that I'm asking people to do, right? It's just like, hey, you know, ask yourself like, you know, what does it look like? Um, but, you know, the, 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 I think the baseline pieces is, 
is really thinking through those scenarios that I was talking about earlier is like, where are the ways and learning about how, how gendered our language is, how heteronormative our language is. And those are examples that um, we talk about in those foundational courses is like giving people examples. Like I said, like, oh, you don't look like a lesbian is like, I never would have guessed that you were gay, right? Like there's so many ways that, um, that this shows up for us because of these assumptions that we've been socialized into and it. Like that's not to put blame on anybody, right? Because right. all grown up in, you know, in, 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 very like white settler, heteronormative, patriarchal like <laughs> society uh, for the most part. And so maybe not everybody, but like a lot of us have. And so how do we begin to break those things down is only by, you know, having somebody else share those experiences, you know, whether it's like just even, even if somebody just like went to our um, social and like look through some of the like reels and videos and information that's there as a starting place, right? To say like, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, and and to, to think through those things, to start to build more awareness and exposure that isn't just about having gone to a pride parade or putting up a pride flag. Um, maybe it's like, I wanna learn some of these terms and definitions, right? I wanna learn more about what two-spirit um, you know, means or where that, that idea comes from. I want to learn about uh, non-binary genders throughout history. Uh, mm -hmm. I want to, you know, learn about what it, it, it means, you know, what, what does it mean when we say non-binary gender or what is, what does it look like or, or what are the experience of folks who are intersex? We don't talk about nearly enough when we're talking about LGBTQ+. Uh, health right. issues and how, you know, how do we as healthcare providers use words like women's health and men's health as, um, as stand-ins that don't actually fit for some, like for things um, and don't apply to all people. And so I think there are so many different ways and a good starting places to take one of our like intro or foundational courses or just visit us on social or think, you know, and, and start to build up some awareness so that you can be like, oh, you know what? I really want to know more about this, right? right? Because we do, we conflate, just like we conflate, um, we conflate things like cultural background and ancestry or genetic ancestry with race. Right? Yes. Race has not a biological concept, but we use it too often as a stand-in for biology and physiology because of the falsity of race science that's occurred. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but we do the same thing with gender and sexual orientation, that we use them as stand-ins for mm -hmm. chromosomal health or for pelvic organs or for hormone production. And mm -hmm. those are not they're sometimes aligned with gender uh, identity and expression, but not always. And so we're, right. we have to kind of de uh, uh, you know, separate those pieces out. Um, so I think you know, those starting places are really powerful to just start to think through physiology in a different way. And mm -hmm. um, in one of our courses, um, I talk about like my 5P kind of approach to neutralizing language, where instead of talking about people or talking about gender or sexual orientation, that we really talk about anatomy and physiology and we really engage in knowledge transfer with, 
um, whether with with colleagues or with uh, clients and patients, however you call mm. them, so that you're thinking through like how does somebody's body actually work, as opposed to right. relying on these like false, um, conflated terms or like false notions of how gender relates to biology. Right, because they're categories that we created. And we tend to forget that, that we (laughs) created the boxes and then insisted on people fitting into those boxes Uh so that our brains don't have to work too, too hard to try and understand something that doesn't perfectly fit in that box. Right. And like the boxes are super helpful and they help us to build community and they help us to name ourselves, but they're actually not all that useful when not everyone fits inside the boxes that we made that are social boxes. They're, they're just like words. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think even I know for me, when I I took a course in university called psychosexual organization, that was kind of the first thing that the professor talked about was that exactly what we're talking about right here is this idea that we have to fit things into categories, even from the time we're children, this is what we're taught, like this is blue, this is red, this is, you know, green, this is yellow, it goes in the blue box, it goes in the yellow box, it goes in the, and so we've done that with almost everything. And so it sounds like what you're saying is that we need to start to realize that as much as these terms and these words can be useful in terms of having common language to be able to understand and to speak to each other, it's also trying to loosen up the reins a little bit so that we can allow for things that don't perfectly fit inside that category. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, they're useful, but they've also created assumptions for us. They've also limited our thinking, like, you know, and, and our, our ability to experience, again, going back to that analogy, like to experience the world as a galaxy, right. Mm -hmm. Or as multiple galaxies and, and to experience ourselves as both like connected and the same as human beings as each other mm-hmm. and 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 very similar but also having unique identities and unique places in the world and so yeah they're both they're both helpful definitions and terms but those boxes like you know that we check off on every single intake form right or every mm-hmm. registration form or every other form that people fill out there's all these like check boxes to fit that actually there's a large chunk of people that don't neatly fit into those boxes that we've created or that, you know, that, that have been useful in some ways, but also are limiting to us in so many others. And so it's about, you know, maybe changing the boundaries of some of those boxes, adding some more options, (laughs) you know, thinking through, um, thinking through what it means to see these see the full possibility of, of, of human experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a wonderful way. I think that's a perfect place to wrap things up for today. Cause that was such a lovely way to, to summarize what we've been talking about today, Dr. Gilbert, thank you so much for your time with us today. 
if uh, people are wanting to connect with you, what would be the the best place to to do that? And we'll we'll also add this in the show notes. Don't worry, everybody. Yeah, for sure. People can connect with me on um, social media. Personally, I'm at uh, Dr. Cindy ND uh, or uh, Heal All Consult Heal All Consulting, which is the consulting business with uh, Arlie Milliard that I started. That's like very much focused on this issue. So that's the the great way. Um, or our website Heal All Consulting consulting.ca. And, uh, and I'm really looking forward to connecting with everyone. Oh, wonderful. Well, best of luck with the launch of Heal All Consulting. And for those who are interested, remember that Dr. Gilbert mentioned that there'll be some webinars and things available in the fall. So definitely check that out and uh, definitely go to the show notes to check out those links so you can connect and just chi miigwech thank you so much, uh, Dr. Gilbert, for sharing your knowledge and your time with us today. And uh, for anyone who has, uh, as I've said before, you guys, if you have questions, there's, you know, you want to hear more about this topic, please do let me know because this podcast is meant to be a resource for all of you. So uh, hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful day and bum up everyone. Chimmy Gwetch, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Nyawa, for listening to Two-Eyed Seeing. Leave me a comment, and if you feel called to, please leave a review in iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. If you have questions about the episode or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please reach out to me at www.sarahconnorsnd.com.